As 2021 draws to a close, we have a look back at some of our favorite moments from this year, and there have been plenty of those. To do this, we're joined by the wonderful Chelsea Goad, senior writer for Space.com, the perfect guest for that end-of-year review. What's been your favorite story of 2021? Let us know at Space and Things 1 on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love hearing from you. And please consider hitting that share button or leaving a review. But right now, please enjoy episode 69 of the Space and Things Podcast. Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles and welcome to episode 69 of our podcast. Now, I know I sound a little bit different this week. Got a different microphone. It's just a temporary setup. It is what it is. Anyway, this is our end of year review. Uh, we're recording it on the 21st December. So no mention of James Webb in our lists. Uh, we're keeping all our fingers crossed on that one. Um, but before we get on with uh, with our guest, Emily, do you have any personal highlights from this year or that you would like to bring to our attention or, to, or talk about right now? Because I feel like this is a good time to do it. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Despite COVID, I... I- I had all my shots and everything, but I did do some events this year. I did, uh, I did Space Fest and I spoke and I did a panel there and it was amazing. And I also went to Oshkosh Air Venture and that was probably the highlight personally of the year. I I felt I was on top of the world, so I really loved it. That was incredible. Other than that, uh, I'd like to thank my readers for letting me go nuts this year on my blog (laughs) and (laughs) right. And just, and just speaking out about stuff i know not everybody's liked it but um but i had to get it off my chest so that if you appreciated it thank you if, if you didn't may god bless you as well so <laughs> absolutely absolutely um <laughs> all right shall we uh shall we shall we crack on with this interview then yes absolutely beginning signals from mro tango delta touch on confirmed perseverance safely on the surface of mars So let's get started with our review of 2021. And to help us, we're pleased to introduce you to Chelsea Goad, senior writer at space.com. Welcome, Chelsea. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. We're really happy to have you here, actually. So thanks very much for, for joining us. I'm going to jump right in here. There are there are loads of places that we can start with this review, but <laughs> I think that the most incredible thing for me was the landing of Perseverance on Mars back in February and the footage we got from that. Do you know where you were at that point, Chelsea? I feel it's one of those things where, <laughs> where in years to come, I remember where I was. Maybe not, but... <laughs> oh, I, I remember exactly where I was um, because I moved to California that week. Um, and so I was at uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab um, there with the mission teams watching it launch um and we no were all just way. silent and no one was breathing and then all of a sudden people started screaming and crying um it was completely insane um and we were all distanced and masked and we couldn't hug each other but we were all screaming at each other and it was yeah i uh very much remember where i was and that is uh certainly among my top three if not also my top moment of 2021 <laughs> 
Yeah, it's not just the fact that, you know, the, the, the landing and then the footage we got from the landing was just crazy. Uh, but what that what we've already learned from perseverance and ingenuity yeah. is what I mean, and ingenuity on its own. I mean, that's a whole subject, right? 18 flights, yeah. 30 minutes in it's the like, air. Oh, you know, it'll probably just do four little flights. Don't expect much. It's a tiny, <laughs> you know, it's just this is just a, yeah. a technology. You know, we're just proving that it works. And it's like you know, how many flights later? And it's like, yeah, I just took a nice half hour flight uh, down on the surface of Mars. And it's like, yeah, uh, definitely don't underestimate what NASA sends to Mars. Absolutely. <laughs> Even despite a couple of initial hiccups, like samples are being cached, um, the images that it's, you know, capturing, the it's, it's not new navigation system, like everything about it is just amazing. Um, and just what we've been able to collect and learn um, thus far I mean, the fact that we sent a rover to Mars with the explicit intention of finding evidence of extraterrestrial life, it's honestly, it's made my life a lot easier because now every time I get an email of people telling me that NASA's hiding alien secrets, it's like, look, NASA's looking for them too. They just sent this rover. I promise if they had that information, they would be more than happy to share it with you. So, <laughs> And just this last week, it's found some organic matter. We don't know what that is mm-hmm. yet. Probably isn't life. But, you know, it's, it's doing what it was sent to do, isn't it? Which is great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always fun when organics have been found. And it's because, you know, you know people jump to, oh, it's some fossilized alien or, or something like that. But, um, <laughs> but, but even, even if it's just, you know, some super basic organic matter, the amount of information that we can extrapolate from that, it's so exciting. So exciting. Yeah, and February was just a glorious time for Mars, wasn't it? Three vehicles from different agencies all arriving at the same time, and Perseverance comes along in last, making a grand entrance and sending back that epic footage. Uh, it, <laughs> it was just a great time, wasn't it, to to see Mars at the forefront. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but it, mm-hmm. it makes me really excited about what's going to happen with Venus in a couple of years when suddenly we have a few spacecraft going to there as well. But Perseverance is unlike anything else we've seen. So you put this in your top three. Uh, What else is there in your list? (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess another part of of the Perseverance mission that I haven't shared is is the excitement that at least I have around the first audio um, because we had... You know, we had seismic data that we could translate into audio waves. We could listen to Mars quakes. But I mean, this was a microphone on the surface of Mars. Um, And I actually, uh, Dr. Z, Dr. Thomas Zerbukin at NASA put out a public challenge to uh, compose with the audio. And so I I stayed up the entire night and (laughs) posted it at like four in the morning. And I was like, there you go, Dr. Z, here you go. Um, (laughs) and, And so it just... I mean, it's it's just looking at another planet in a way that we've never looked at it before. I mean, to hear the sounds and that I mean, that was just the first of, of many recordings to hear the sounds like that um, is just I, I, so special to me as as a musician, as well as a science communicator. So that's part of my top one. Um, God, this year was just so much happened. It's really hard to choose another. There were a few major steps forward. Um, and more niche areas of diversity inclusion in space. Um, you know, obviously, as we've seen, especially in the last few weeks, there's no shortage of, you know, uh, har- harassment and horrendous things happening in science and space at large. But I think that there were a few exciting small steps that were taken, like I covered earlier this summer, I believe it was, 
Um, there has been for a long time, trans astronomers have been, and you know, trans scientists across the board, but specifically have been trying to convince scientific journals to allow them to correct their names to their, you know, current names, um, you know, after transitioning or after changing their names. Um, and, you know, for a long time, scientific journals are basically just saying, no, it's against our policy and essentially dead naming these authors in their papers and separating them mm -hmm. from their own work. So they weren't even able to claim it as their own. Um, and then slowly some headway started being made with that um, later this summer um, as I was covering it and journals are starting to change those policies. So it's been, um, I think it's been a big year for pointing out problems like that. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if that's a fun, exciting uh, 2021 end of the year list item, but pointing out how horrendous um, things continue to be for marginalized communities in STEM uh, uh, it's definitely top top on the list. Yeah, I, I, I was actually going to bring that up with the two of you. Actually, it, it feels like a bit of a watershed year in that in that sense. Yeah. Um Obviously, Absolutely. problems aren't solved, but just in in terms of people's empowerment to to say their to speak their truths, uh, and we've seen a lot of that this year. And I mean, I'm all for it, and I've learned a hell of a lot as a result of it. Um, but I, I, I guess you two have probably got a, a very different opinion on me, me being a person that would benefit from everything that's happened in the past and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a year. I think, I think that it's, it feels like everything's coming to a head, but I think this is very much the tip of the iceberg. Um, because even mm -hmm. with the small things that have come out and surfaced with them, with the handful of people that have been able to come forward or felt comfortable enough to come forward, every little step there, you know, you see backlash of of rumor spreading within the community or people not believing um their peers and colleagues and and it makes it hard to, it's almost like one step forward two steps steps back so i think this year has seen a lot of you know, chipping away at the ice i think we're starting to peel back that first layer and really expose the issues which is of course you know the first step in really figuring out what you know we as a larger community can can do to hopefully make make it so that the environment does no longer supports and rewards um, bad behavior, essentially. So, you know, 2021 is, is certainly not the end all be all. It's not the it's not the end. You no. haven't seen the last of it. But <laughs> no, you haven't even seen the last of it this year. No, definitely to not. To be honest. No, no. It, there's more coming out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks alone, um, so many different people have come forward, especially in commercial space. Um, I actually I. I spoke with Bill Nelson. We had an interview um, last week and I asked him about it. We didn't get too deep into it, but I think too slowly, but slowly the, the community at large is, is starting to have to pay attention, um, which I think is, is part of it um, because it is a hard subject and people don't want to talk and hear about it. But I think that um, it's good in that it's becoming a topic that has to be talked about. Um, people can't ignore it anymore. So I, I hope that in 2022, we just continue to see more of that as much as it's painful to hear people's stories and see people come forward. I think that um, the more of it, the better, because, you know, the, all, of, all of that being hidden only benefits the, uh, the people doing, doing the bad deeds. So, you know, here, here's the 2022. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping in 2022, it, I don't know if these policies would work, but I'm hoping you know, more contractors and more agencies develop just a zero tolerance, you know, like yeah. if we find out about it and we have evidence, you're, you're gone because that's not happening yeah. right now. And 
I also hope that we see more equity, you know, in the field. Just, you know, I hope <laughs> I kind of gotten on my soapbox lately online, but um, I'm hoping we see women achieve, you know, pay equity. I'm hoping we get compensated yeah. for things we do fairly. Absolutely. Pay equity, representation equity, you know, women and especially women of color and people of different marginalized backgrounds. I mean, sure, space is more diverse and looks different than it did in the 1950s and early 60s. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think we should expect more of ourselves. I think we should hold ourselves to a higher standard uh, than just being better than the 60s. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think we can set the bar a little bit higher. I'm, I'm trying to, to look at it from the perspective of looking forward to fixing the problem and, and seeing, seeing uh, it, it, it grow larger, not the problem grow larger, of course. The discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on, on, yeah. on the whole, despite the fact that it's been a hard year in terms of hearing stories, you're, fa you're fairly positive about everything that's gone on in this, in this regard because of the empowerment and, and the fact that hopefully the stories being out there means there's a chance of change. It won't be immediate, but it, that we're on the starting steps towards it. I mean, positive in the sense that it no longer seems or feels impossible for people to come forward. I mean, um, you know, I know both me and Emily have had our public discussions and stories and aired pieces of our dirty laundry and, and exposed some of the situations going on, though I'm sure for both of us, uh, what we've shared online is just the tip of the iceberg, um, if not yes, just not all of it, of course. Um, but I think that um, even even just little little pieces, um, as much as as none of it is positive, um, I think that even just seeing your peers speak out more comfortably and more confidently, uh, I think there's definitely a trickle down effect um, in regards to more people coming forward, more people speaking out, and in the long run, that's going to mean that this is not tolerated. Um, you know, I know that NASA has a zero tolerance policy. Not that that means that they've never had issues, um, but uh, that space companies, especially as more and more of them are cropping up, um, and not just in space, but in, in STEM and in, in space sciences as well, that this is this is taken more seriously, and it's harder for people to brush under the rug. I, I think for me that the next big story that happened in this year, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but for me it was it, it was on my radar. Would definitely be Inspiration Four. A thousand percent. That was that was yep. the next on my list too. I was like Inspiration Four. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Weirdly, mm -hmm. I remember it being announced uh, just mm -hmm. after or around the same time as Perseverance landed. I, I think it was the same week mm -hmm. Perseverance landed, yep. and and the, that first announcement of Haley being on the crew uh, came out, and it was like, whoa hang on a moment, this, yeah. this is going to be good. Yeah, I remember um, I'd heard an inkling from a, a friend of mine that Cyan was going to be chosen. And so Cyan and I are, are friends um, as, you know, she, anyone that's met her knows that she, she, uh, she's an easy one to make friends with. And so, and we did our Mars mission together last year. And I texted her, I was like, I heard this rumor that you're going to be on Inspiration4. Like, is it true? She was like, she's like, no, I wish. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because we'd had a conversation <laughs> after she applied. Oh, um, wow. We were on the phone and, and she was like, you know, I just, I want to throw my hat into the ring. I don't want to say that it's impossible. You know, I just, I don't want to kick myself for not having tried, but probably not going to get it. And so I text her, I'm like, you know, is this true? She's like, no, no. The next day. I see her on TV. They're announcing the full crew. <laughs> I'm like, I'm texting. I'm like, you liar. You liar. 
<laughs> but like, you know, mostly just congratulations. Um, it was so exciting uh, to get to see a friend uh, launch to space and back to see um, to see like the impact that it had, uh, not just on the space community, but people who I know who have never cared about space were suddenly texting me about following Inspiration4 um, and following it on the news. Um, and very selfishly, it was exciting for me because uh, Cyan, I, as, I, as I mentioned, I'm also a musician and she took one of my songs with her to space on her personal playlist. And I was, and I was like, you don't have to do that. And she was like, it's just, it's just, not, it's not a big, big deal. And I was like, it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> so that was uh, just, I don't know, personally. And then also getting to see not just like my friend, but to see these people who probably never even dreamed that this was possible, just make it happen and do such a stellar job is, was so, so awesome. I was actually, I was on, I was live on NBC, like in the studio um, as a guest during the launch. They're like, you want to come in for live launch coverage? And I was like, yeah, sure. It sounds fun. <laughs> it's launching and they're asking me questions and I'm just like frozen watching the screen, just holding my breath. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's, uh, that was such an unbelievable, unbelievable journey, even just watching it from afar and getting to share it with all of my other friends and colleagues. Like that was really a, a pinnacle prime moment of the year, I'd say. Absolutely. And I, I don't know about you, but watching the, the Netflix documentary and all the press coverage and all the interviews yeah. they had to do, could they have chosen four more, more eloquent, sorry, and irony there, me losing the ability to talk all of a sudden, but four better people to put in front of a camera and talk and explain what they're going through and their emotions. They all just seemed like naturals in front of, with the media, yeah. didn't they? It was incredible to see. I mean, I, I conducted some of those interviews and it's like, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people and, you know, not everyone is, is comfortable doing it, likes doing it, whatever. And, and the entire crew, they were just, they were so passionate and so excited and really just fully believed in the mission, um, really wanted to do a good job. Um, I think that especially as like, you know, civilian astronauts, um, there's been so much public discussion over who, who qualifies as an astronaut, yada, 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 whatever. And I think not to prove themselves, but just to do it well and to do it right, you know, especially, you know, Cyan being a scientist and an analog astronaut, you know, Haley, um, she's, she's such a role model. And I think that they really were just so dedicated to doing it right. Um, and they were so excited about it that that just, that just shone through in all of their media coverage and all of their everything. Um, and I think that's part of why people responded to it so much. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever been so invested in a crew and, <laughs> and their success as I was this time round. And obviously crews have been launching the whole of my life, but this one really, <laughs> really, really, I would, I just was so invested in it. Yeah. You know, they were like, Oh, four regular people launched a space. And it's like, these are not regular people. No, absolutely. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that the way they communicated with the public and the way that they, as you mentioned, did those interviews, like people could really like see themselves in them. Um, people could really like, be like, wow, like that's what I would be like going to space. Like I would be that excited. Like, oh my gosh, like I would, I would totally want to do that too. And I think it, it, it made it more real for people um, because I think that sometimes it's almost like the, the white coat effect with doctors that people see the blue jumpsuit on, on astronauts or the, or the orange pumpkin suit. And there's like an intimidation factor and they see it as so separate from themselves and it's so far away. And I think that it really was a, cool reminder and, and 
connected the general population to the crew um, in such a unique way and showed them that people who go to space are human beings. They're real people. They're not, they're not some other um, superhuman species. Like they're, they're regular people, like, you know, and, and I think that's, that was so special and cool. Yeah, I feel like they made space accessible again because, like, yeah. even though they got some criticism for, you know, doing the the Netflix documentary, which I think is kind of silly. I'm like, yeah. if it's your mission, you you should be able to choose what format you want to put it on. Yeah, and if the and if the a big purpose of the mission is to share the story of the mission, wouldn't you want to share it on a large platform and show people the ins and outs? I, I think I think the documentary was a wonderful thing. Me too. Yeah, it was a great idea. Yeah. I think. You know, because every most a lot of people have Netflix, so it's not like totally inaccessible. But I think that, um, you know, the one thing I heard most from people who weren't, you know, space aficionados or professionals was, you know, they made it accessible. They made it seem like, you know, regular people can go to space. I, I don't know if I'll ever go to space, but it sure made me have a, a hope for an inkling that maybe someday I've got a chance. Maybe I got a chance someday because, you know, these are. These are non-astronauts that, you know, I've seen the NASA application to apply to be an astronaut and I don't qualify for a single thing. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, maybe maybe I have a chance elsewhere. I don't know. I think it gave people hope, which is uh, in 2021 was kind of a big deal because we still had so many crazy things happening in the world. Yeah, I mean, so much inequality all over the world, so much social injustice. We're still trudging through a pandemic, people losing their lives all the time. And I think being able to, you know, even just sit at home and watch people like yourself and and it wasn't it didn't have the didn't have the air or the vibe of um, all these people. Like they just won the lottery. They just got so lucky. And there wasn't that bitterness surrounding it. It was, wow, like I couldn't be happier for them. Like, this is so cool. Like, I want to do that too. Like, this is so fun to watch them do it. Like, let me, let me learn. What are they doing? How can I get involved? Like, I think, I think it really took that tone instead. And I think I think, I mean, we've seen the other, the other flip side of that coin. We've seen the backlash and we've seen the bitterness, especially with the, those, um, you know, the, we've seen it with the blue origin of Virgin Galactic launches this year. Um, no shortage of bitterness in my inbox. Uh, <laughs> but I think that inspiration for was definitely different. Um, and whether it was the documentary or the tone or how they dealt with the media, um, or the, the entire project in general, um, or the fact that it benefited St. Jude, I think that it really had a very unique impact. And, and I suppose that does lead us on, obviously, to the, the billionaires in space and this ongoing conversation that's been had over and over again. And mm-hmm. obviously, we're not going to rehash. We all know what happened uh, if you didn't go back mm-hmm. for our previous podcast. Uh, but you wrote a really, I think I think it was you, that wrote a really interesting article about how we got to reframe this conversation. Probably. I'm <laughs> You've written many. I'm sure you've written I've many. I've written articles. a lot of our- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I remember. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that was probably me. I can't remember. That was. It feels like ten years ago already. It's like this yeah. past summer, ten years ago. Exactly. Couldn't tell you. Absolutely. <laughs> but but it's true, isn't it? I mean, we, we do. I think mm-hmm. as a space community and as 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 communicators within that, we've got to try our best to try and reframe this conversation because. Absolutely. And and the billionaires have made it difficult, apart from Jared, who made it really easy. uh, And that was a great example of that. Yeah, he he didn't put himself at the forefront. He didn't make himself the face. He didn't put his billionaire-ness at the the front of the mission, um, which 
seems like a given, but we've we've clearly seen it. That is not always uh, what happens. Yeah, and, and and there's a lot to be gained from these missions as well. These yeah. these these uh, suborbital flights that perhaps isn't being communicated as well, and and the technology Absolutely. gains and all these kind of things. I just think we could be doing better. But it has been a huge part of space this year, without a doubt. The the opening up of space to 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 the world. You know, in this last week, Japanese billionaire in, in space doing his videos from mm-hmm. the ISS and Inspiration Four and and the and the Blue Origin flights. So on and so forth the movie being made on the iss yeah. it, it's been a crazy year for space tourism yeah dylan yeah. taylor one mm-hmm. of our guests went to space i mean can i can i be your next guest to go to space I'm yes like, you can <laughs> yes i know i would i'd like to volunteer to go with you mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm manifesting it yeah <laughs> i want to be anywhere but space right this second honestly no i'm joking <laughs> and taco tuesday but, um no but like uh it is taco tuesday here but seriously, like that that morning that it was announced that Dylan Taylor was going to space, uh, I got I woke up to a text from Dave and he was like, oh, my God, one of our guests is going to space. And I'm like, that's <laughs> that's the reality we live in now, you know, is that, you know, now there's more, I guess, accessible or regular people, you know, not that I mean, Dylan is very accomplished, not not yeah. taking credit from what he's done. You know, okay. he's and ama- I like his, uh, he wrote an amazing book this year about Gerard K. O'Neill as well, which I'm giving a shout out to. But um, it's like knowing people who actually went, it's like, it makes it a little closer, you know? It does. It doesn't feel like, um, you know, I think still a lot of people think of space flight and they think of the shuttle or I think of the Apollo era. That That's still the, the closest. Yeah, it's untouchable. Um, and it's like, I think. I think that, you know, a a lot of what has been said about, you know, the billionaire space race, a lot of the criticism is definitely valid. Um, You know, there have been missteps. There have been, uh, you know, aspects of it that are ethically and morally gray. Um, There there are definitely valid criticisms, a thousand percent. Um, And I think that as a journalist, it's definitely important for me to, to, you know, to note that. Um, But at the same time, I do feel like at least the general public doesn't they just don't know um, all that can be gained from things like this. Um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, suborbital research, suborbital research is something we've already been doing for years. Um, and that has been a part of things like atmospheric science, climate science, um, that, that, you know, different science payloads fly on with so many different suborbital missions. And, you know, by having people who have the means fly, we can at the same time carry science on these flights um, that otherwise might not have the funding to go on a suborbital flight. Um, and there are very significant and concrete benefits to these flights happening. Um, you know, if, if you don't subscribe to the belief that seeing people do it is inspirational and opening doors, even if you don't see that aspect, even if you don't get on board with it, um, there are, there's seriously concrete, um, exciting scientific aspects to continuing suborbital flights. And, you know, it's, it's such early days that, yeah, it's unfortunately a very small window of people that can afford to do it or who are lucky enough to do it. Um, but so the, the criticisms are valid, but I, I don't think that the criticisms would warrant stopping. Uh, I think yeah. I think that there's just such a valuable future there um, for suborbital uh, flights in general and, and for space tourism. I mean, there's a lot of lofty, pretty uh, ambitious space tourism efforts and things in development. Um, and I, I just think it's it's really interesting in opening it up. Actually, one thing I was really surprised by 
that I thought I would just be rolling my eyes about is William Shatner's flight. I I am a huge Trekkie. I have a Star Trek tattoo. I got my pips uh, on my <laughs> wrist. Um, but I, when I heard that Shatner was flying, I you know I Shatner has has had some bad publicity, saying some pretty unkind things, and I was like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna go south. I'm I'm kind of disappointed. I don't really want to see this. And then as as you all saw, he got back to Earth and he burst into tears and was just like in absolute awe. And I think that even, you know, whatever you think about Shatner and there are some seriously valid criticisms of him as well. Um, I, I think that seeing someone like him, a face that people recognize and, and, you know, a leading man in, in all respects, you know, a Hollywood actor um, break down emotionally on live television because of the beauty and awe of outer space and, and seeing earth from space and, and the overview effect. I think that was exceptionally powerful. I think that that was, uh, I think that that surprised a lot of people, myself included. And I, I think that that was a really surprisingly positive uh, little silver lining to all of the back and forth and, and negative discussions surrounding, surrounding the flights. So what were some surprise stories that you would say blew up space.com this year? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I know that that would get a reaction. Uh, I, I swear, I am always surprised by what people click on versus what they don't click on. Um, of course, <laughs> me, me thinking that, uh, you know, still going by the goofus and gallant um, highlights rule of ethics. I'm, I, my main area of interest is climate science and I'm like, climate change is so important. It affects all of us. Everyone's going to be dying to read this IPCC report that I wrote, wrote this whole article and did all these interviews for. No one cared. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I understand. <laughs> I'll write history articles and it's like, man, this article is bomb. I got so many interviews. I did so much research on it and like two people read it. And I'm like, yeah. wow. Thanks yeah. to the two readers <laughs> that got this. I, I, think, uh, I think I just need to figure out how to make climate change more fun to read about. I think that's my I think that's my new challenge for 2022. It's an impossible task, but I will make it happen. <laughs> um, but I think the most surprising things that people click on are it's always like sky watching things like people are so I think people are just so much more interested in the night sky than I really thought and gave them credit for. I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll write some article that will take me, you know, just, you know, not that much time about you know, Venus is especially bright in the night sky or there's an interesting alignment or a conjunction happening and people really respond to it. I think that um, maybe especially during the pandemic, people have really uh, maybe almost rediscovered the night sky in their backyards. Um, and I think that that's been really fun to see just how strongly people have responded to that. Um, and of course, every time Elon does something, uh, people respond <laughs> quite a bit to it, but that's never surprising. Uh, that's never surprising. Um, but yeah, I think that just uh, people's response to sky watching in general has been so tremendous. And and uh, I, I I attribute it to the pandemic, but that's just a that's just a guess. Mm. I like that a lot. It's uh, quite a romantic notion that everyone started to look up again. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Right, one more right? question in this review. Is there a book, a TV show, documentary, or film uh, that you really enjoyed Ooh. this year? Does it have to be about space? Uh, well, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Not necessarily. Mm. 
I am, I am reading Natalie Starkey's new book on volcanoes of the solar system and it's very good, but I haven't finished it. So I can't put it on my list yet, but so far it's incredible. Um, but, uh, the one book I read this past year that just like blew me out of the water. I mean, I, I read it, I think I sat down to read it and I did not get up again until the book was finished. Um, which is a very healthy habit. I have. Um, and it's Delia Owens, uh, where the crawdads sing. And it's this kind of almost murder mystery fictional look at um, this like swamp region of the American South uh, in, in the mid 20th century. But and it's a fictional story, but it also kind of follows like a young girl's path to becoming a scientist and a naturalist um, on her own without the help of society. And, and it's so bizarre and I think shows kind of like the scientific world through a really strange and unique and beautiful lens. Um, and it's also, it's just a wild, it's a wild ride. Um, and I heard they're actually making a movie about it, which is super exciting. Oh, wow. So I'm always nervous, you know, when you fall in love with a book and they make a movie about it and you get so excited and yeah. you rush to the theaters and then you walk out two minutes later, thoroughly. It's hot garbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I hope it's not hot garbage. <laughs> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but the book was incredible. Um, it's kind of science, kind of sci-fi, kind of murder mystery. Very weird. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we are space and things, so I think that definitely <laughs> if, nicely straddles the two uh, rather well. I need to say, I need to check that out. That sounds right up my street as really well. Really good. Um, Emily, do you have a favourite book, TV show, documentary? Oh, my God. Um, I have like five different books this year, which kind of sucks. At this point, I cannot rate one like at the top because I feel they're all... They Excellent. can tie. That's fine. You make yeah. your own rules. Yeah. So um, I, I'm reading the Nicole Stott book now. Oh, um, nice. I think it's Back, back to Earth, and I, I really like it a lot. Uh, the Bruce McCandless book, Wonders All Around, I love it. Also, the uh, Al Warden book, The Light of Earth, and the, uh, I really fell in love with the Ron Evans book, A Long Voyage to the Moon by uh, uh, Jeffrey uh, Bowman, who we had on our show. Yeah. I, I love that. That was a delightful book, so... Those are probably my top four. Um, if I didn't mention your book, if you're listening, uh, I apologize. I probably still really loved it, but it, that those are probably my top of the year so far. Uh, I haven't read Eileen Collins's book yet, so I need to do that. Don't ASAP, tell her. Don't. But, um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that. I haven't read it yet, but I need to. Yeah. Um, my favorite documentary. I don't watch a lot of TV. I know I need to watch the Inspiration Four one. I I yeah. I am embarrassed to admit I have not watched it yet. You will love it. You yeah, will love amazing. it. Yeah. I love the High Frontier. Uh, mm -hmm. The story of uh, Gerard K. O'Neill. I thought it was a beautifully done. I'd been waiting for that for like ever since they announced it, and and I was not disappointed. I felt it was spectacular. So. Big uh, ups to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my favourite book, the one I couldn't put down was uh, was Bruce McCandless the third. I just thought that uh, the, the story of his dad and the family life, there was just a real great human element to that book, which made me want to read more and more and more. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's plenty I need to read. But uh, Emily, I can't believe you didn't mention For All Mankind. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Well, that's, that's not really wow. a documentary. Well, I, did say, I, I got I a little hooked TV on the shows. documentary. Oh my God. How did I forget that? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a little obsessed with I'm that still show. I need to, the, that season for I'm not over it. No. I'm still like crying myself to sleep <laughs> at night over the ending. Oh. I mean, for real, I, that, that, oh my God, that ending like 
broke me. I'm extremely embarrassed to admit that I haven't seen it yet. All right, well, no spoilers for us. I won't try to spoil it. (laughs) We won't try to spoil it. Don't say it because it's it's very high on my next watch list because everyone's been screaming at me to watch it. uh, It's really good. It's really good. It's just every show is like, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, yeah, like, can there be a show that isn't just like devastating? Come on, you know, uh, you know what we need to. You know what we need to do is when the next season shows up, we need to do like, a reaction, a run, a reaction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, reactions to the episode. Yeah, that would be like I love. I'm such a loser. I love to watch reaction videos. We have a whole we have a whole TV show dedicated to that in the UK called Gogglebox, which is just watching Gogglebox? people yes. watching TV. I kid you not. <laughs> It's literally there's like a group, like fifteen different couples or families watching TV, and it's just an episode of watching them watch TV. Me and my husband love reaction videos on YouTube, especially. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. Like this is my entertainment. I don't watch TV, but I watch like reaction videos to TV <laughs> or music videos or songs where people find out like the singer isn't who they thought they were, and it's hysterical. Like. When they found out the BGs were white, for example, on one of them, I almost died. So we need to do a reaction, just reaction stuff for all mankind. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Chelsea, definitely watch it. That the the season two finale is possibly one of the greatest bits of TV I've ever watched. I'm I'm putting mm-hmm. it out there. It's incredible. I've got a couple of days off uh, off for of the holidays, so I'll uh, I'll put it on my Netflix queue. Bring some tissue. Yeah, I I know that it's kind of just it hasn't happened yet, but. Should we put James Webb on our best of 2021 list? I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to jinx it. We'll we'll save it for, for 2022. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. my um it's not a web telescope, but I bought a necklace and it has a star on it, so I'm actually going to wear this the day of. Uh, nice. I just got it in the mail and I have a space shuttle, maybe I'll wear that too even though the web cannot be serviced by the space shuttle. <laughs> yeah. So or any spacecraft. I just remembered that I forgot. I've got a, a little web lapel pin from when I, I visited it at Northrop Grumman before it was boxed up and shipped out. And nice. I uh, and I I left. I'm on the East Coast, but I live in California. But I left it at home. I'll make a new one. <laughs> the mirrors. Yeah. Right. I'll just yeah. I'll just build a I'll build my own web. <laughs> nice. You know, how how hard could it be? Ten ten billion dollars and twenty five years later, and I'll I'll have it. Thirty two years later. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I'm getting off topic on Twitter. Jonathan McDowell really, you know, he put out like a like a meeting book from when you know they were talking about the next generation space telescope, which is JWST. Mm-hmm. It was from 1989. I was like, oh, so I was yeah. 11 when they came up with that. Now I'm 44. Yeah, they didn't even start technically developing it until 96. So it had already yeah. been so many years in development before development. Be- <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long I, I was not born yet when that conversation happened. <laughs> yeah, I was 11 when they started and now I'm almost to uh, mid 40s. Oh, my God. I'm afraid to watch it. It's going to launch yeah. at some point. It is going it's to gotta launch. Go it's got to go up at some point. It's got to. Where gonna, else is it going to go? Yeah. It's going to, we it's have going no to choice. L2. It's going to L2. It's going to be fine. It's going to deploy. Those 344 single point failures are all going to go off perfectly. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, well, Sorry for scaring you. <laughs> let's all keep our fingers yeah. crossed for that one. Well, thanks for joining us to, to for this look back at last year, Chelsea. Uh, listeners, fear not. While this part of the interview you're listening to may be coming to an end, the interview will continue in next week's podcast, and you'll hear all about what we've got to look forward to in 2022. One thing that I'm really excited about that I'm bringing to space 
is this old picture of me. This is when I was 10 years old and going through bone cancer treatment. And so when I'm in space, I'm gonna pull this photo out and you know, now getting to be in space, my hair is gonna float everywhere, but yet hold this old picture of me and show all my patients, all these kids going through cancer treatment around the world that there's a future, that it gets better, and I'm excited to be part of it. So, I, I, man, I love talking to Chelsea there. She was great, and I'm looking forward to talking about next year uh, as well with her next week. But one thing we didn't bring up, which I think we need to bring up, it's, it's always difficult this time of year when you do your retrospective and you think about the fact that we're going to be starting next year with some people that weren't with us, uh, that yeah. aren't with us anymore. And uh, obviously, we don't have time to go through and do obituaries for everyone. But I think, for me, the two biggest losses we've had this year were Michael Collins and Glenn Lunny. Mm-hmm. And both of those uh, losses had a huge impact on me. Absolutely. We did episodes on them, but but uh, certainly this year has definitely been marked by the losses of those two people for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a big hole in the space community where, you know, I... I always enjoyed seeing them at events and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it was just, it, it's just weird to think that you're going to go places, you know, in the future to events and you're not going to see them. Yeah. And it's just, it's really like an emptiness there. So, um, yeah. And, and Al Warden finally was laid to rest last, last week. He, that, he yes. did pass in 2020, but he was laid to rest at Arlington. So kind of a closing a circle there, but, um, I, we still keep them on our hearts every day and we, we miss them a lot. And we definitely wanted to pay a, a short, at least a short tribute to them this week. This operation is somewhat like the periscope of a submarine. All you see is the three of us, but beneath the surface are thousands and thousands of others. To all those, I would like to say thank you very much. And so we've got two weeks worth of news to get you up to date with. So we'll try our best here. Uh, since our last recording, we've had eight successful launches, one partial failure and one complete failure. It's been a busy season. Uh, Busiest of all have been SpaceX, who have completed four launches of their Falcon 9 rocket, one from Vandenberg in California and three from Kennedy Space Center. Um, the last of these launches marked their 100th successful landed of a first stage rocket booster, uh, which is nuts. And on the sixth anniversary of the first one as well, which was, how about that for a coincidence? I still love watching these things land. They make it look so easy now, but it, you know it blows my mind every time. Um, talking about rockets that land, uh, Blue Origin completed another suborbital flight of their new Shepard rocket. Uh, NS-19 took six astronauts this time into space for a brief trip, including the daughter of Alan Shepard, who the rocket is named after, Laura Shepard Churchley. I love that story. I thought it was great. Um, Elsewhere, we had a successful launch in New Zealand uh, for Rocket Lab, two successful launches by the China Aerospace Science and Technology Corporation in China. The partial failure was a Russian Proton-M rocket, which shut down just before its intended altitude. So while the payload are in orbit they're slightly lower than they should have been um, they may be able to boost the orbits if required and if so this launch will get upgraded and reclassified as a success so I'll wait and see with that one the failure took place in china where x 
tried to launch two payloads on a Kiazu 1A rocket. Uh, I've not been able to find out exactly what happened here, but it's the second failure out of 14 launches for that rocket. As always, videos of all the launches and details of their payloads can be found in our show notes on our website, www.basinthingspodcast.com. In episode 67, we reported the launch of a Soyuz rocket, which took Japanese billionaire Yusaku Mazawa and his videographer Yozo Hirano alongside their cosmonaut commander Alexander Mazurkin. Well, after 12 days, they have now landed back on Earth. The two tourists made and uploaded 14 videos in space while they were there, which can be found on their YouTube channel. They're in Japanese, but some of them have English subtitles, which is a nice thing. While they were on board, they also became part of the record of the most people in space with the launch of the Blue Origin New Shepard rocket for a brief moment. There were 19 people in space. Nice. That's amazing, isn't it? It is. Meanwhile, on Mars, the Perseverance rover has identified carbon-containing organic chemicals in some of the rocks it's been looking at within Jezero Crater. This is a pretty big news story. Um, However, it's not currently proof of life on Mars, as these organics can be produced by both biological and non-biological means. So further research is still required, and it's why it's important that we somehow try and get these samples back on Earth for more research, something that NASA and ESA are teaming up to try and do as early as 2031. Also on Mars, Percy's little flying companion, Ingenuity, which we spoke about at length, has completed both its 17th and 18th flights on the planet and has now logged over 30 minutes of combined flight time. Not bad for a helicopter that was supposed to just fly a few missions. Also this week, we've seen the most incredible video from NASA's Parker Solar Probe. We reported the flyby back in April, but we've just found out that the spacecraft actually managed to get inside the sun's atmosphere, which you may have heard called the corona, a very different corona from the one we've heard so much about these last two years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The video is really quite something, but we've learned a lot about the sun in two papers which have been published. It turns out there are spikes and valleys on the surface of the sun, which help us to understand some of the solar activity we observe from the Earth. The next flyby is expected for late February 2022, so expect even more knowledge and images over the next coming months. It's been crazy, this one, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. And talking of new science, the original findings from the samples taken from the asteroid Ryugu back in 2019 have finally been published. The samples arrived back this time last year, and we've now learned that they're the oldest bits of material ever examined on Earth. Uh, And it's hoped that it could be learned all about the origins of the solar system from them. Ryugu orbits the sun somewhere between Earth and Mars and occasionally crosses Earth's orbit and it's likely to contain material from the nebula which gave birth to the sun and the planets billions of years ago. So a lot more science to look forward to from that over the coming year as well. Wow, that is mind-blowing. Isn't it? Wow. (laughs) And finally, a couple of announcements. Axiom Space has announced that its second mission has been given approval to fly between autumn 2022 and spring 2023. Their first flight is due to fly in February 2022 and will take four private astronauts to the ISS on board a SpaceX Dragon capsule. They have a contract with SpaceX for four missions, but they were yet to be granted approval from NASA for the flight. The second flight will be commanded by legendary NASA astronaut Peggy Whitson, who is America's most experienced astronaut. And one other announcement, the SpaceX Crew-5 missions will fly its first cosmonaut to the International Space Station. 
Anna Kikina has been named by Roscosmos, and she is the only active female Russian cosmonaut, and this, this will be her first flight. Yeah, I like that story as well. Yep. Lots of good news this week, I feel. Lots of good news. Yep, absolutely. As always, you can find out more in the show notes. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. So that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed our look back at 2021 and please do get in touch with your favourite story from this year if we've missed it off. Thanks again to those who continue to support the podcast by purchasing pins or t-shirts or patches or getting all those things by signing up to our Patreon page which is patreon.com forward slash space and things. Next week we'll have Chelsea with us again to look ahead at what we might be talking about in 2022. Thank you for all of your support. If you listen on Spotify, there is apparently now a way of rating podcasts on there. So please do so if you can figure that out. Uh, We haven't gotten there yet. We think they're still rolling that feature out. But anyway, don't forget, in space, no one can hear you mean. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.